Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan. So you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I want to help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. And just set little milestones. Okay, when I hit this in revenue, I'm going to do this nice to have. And when I do, I mean, I mean, you and I, with podcasting, I, I started in my closet too. And you just do what you got to do. Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher, and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing, numbers, and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I'm a small town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven-figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? (laughs) No way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast. Nothing feels more intimidating than just starting. Judging by the amount of DMs and comments I see about how I got started in my business, I feel like you might agree that starting can simply be the hardest part. My friend Natalie Ellis, or as she says, Natalie, started Boss Babe with her friend, Dr. Daniel Canty, as a community for unapologetically ambitious women. Sounds like my kind of community, am I right? It has since grown into a massive resource with over 15 million members learning how to start, grow, and scale their businesses. Natalie also knows that starting can be the hardest part, and that's why the babes behind Boss Babe created this framework around it. Our goal for this episode is to demystify the how of starting your business, what you can do to move from side hustle to full-time, and why being resourceful is more important than simply having resources. No more waiting. Let's start right now. Here she is, Natalie Ellis. Thanks to Fiverr for supporting Gold Digger. It's so easy to find freelance talent for your business or your product. Don't waste any more time. Get 10% off in the service you deserve at FIVERR.com with the code Gold Digger. Thanks to ShipStation for supporting Gold Digger. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all of your orders into one simple interface so that they're easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. Use my offer code Gold Digger to get a 60-day free trial. 
Okay, I just got to spend some really sunshine time with you in Puerto Rico. And that was where our friendship in real life began. And now we get to share that on the podcast. So welcome to the podcast, Nat. I love this. It's going to be amazing. Thanks for having me. Yes. And one thing I just have to point out that I think is so fun is we got to sit around a table with some of the most brilliant minds in the entire world. And so many of us could be considered competitors or going after each other or sharing clients. And I loved that we could all talk about our businesses with this confidence in what we're bringing to the table, which is why I am so excited for you to share some of the frameworks that you've developed with our audience. But wasn't that just like kind of crazy and mind-blowing? So mind blowing. And one thing that we always say is success is way more fun when it's shared. And I think yes. if if you ever get in the mindset of competitors and I don't want to share this, you know, just remember there's so much out there and someone else doing it is proof that you can do it and they'll probably find out something you can do and vice versa. We just love collaborating. So it was amazing to be around a table with people like that. And I'm still like reeling from it. I still have so many things in my head, so many things I want to implement. Oh, I love it. Oh my gosh. So for people that haven't been exposed to the amazingness that Boss Babe is, tell me a little bit about yourself, what led you on this journey and what being a Boss Babe is all about. Okay. So I have a bit of a cliche story. So I've always been very entrepreneurial and I had my first business when I was 13. So I actually grew up, I had a really turbulent childhood and then moved out of my home when I was 13 and I moved in with my grandparents and some things, a fire within me just lit up where I knew I really wanted to make something of myself. You know, I grew up in a pretty rough place and I knew I wanted to eventually move away and I thought, okay, well, how do I do that? Well, I make money. And so I started out my entrepreneurship journey at 13, building websites online, which is a skill that ended up serving me really well now. But at the time I had no idea what I was doing. And I was, I was DMing eBay shops at the time, which is kind of, come full circle. Now what I teach a lot about DMing on Instagram, your ideal client, I was just going into eBay stores, DMing them and saying, Hey, you need a website. So it started there. And I just, I've always been obsessed with entrepreneurship. Then I went to university to study business management. And that's where everyone around me was like, okay, Natalie, it's time to get serious. You know, you need to study and get a real job and all of this stuff. So I really threw myself into university and it was a four year course. And actually in my second year, I'd been doing so much. I started an entrepreneurship society, which is basically what happened was I went to university and I was like, Hey, where are the entrepreneurs at? And no one even knew what that word meant. And (laughs) I was part of a club of one. There was no one else around me doing this. And I just thought there has to be more people that are interested in turning ideas into reality who are interested in helping people and making an impact because that's what entrepreneurship is. And so I started something called entrepreneurship society. And you basically need six people in the university to start an official club. So I hired, well, I brought in five friends that didn't know what entrepreneurship was. And I was like, just sign on here and say you're a member. And they were like, fine. So they did that. And within the first year, we got maybe five actual members. But the second year, we scaled really quickly. So I started advertising it everywhere and treating it like a business, even though it was making me no money. I really just wanted friends that understood what I was doing. And we grew it to be one of the biggest in the UK. I ended up getting invited to Parliament, to Buckingham Palace, to really talk about what we were doing in entrepreneurship and helping young entrepreneurs to move forward. So this kind of society really got me on the radar, which is why in my second year, I got offered a graduate job for when I would leave in my fourth year. So I'm kind of telling that story very, very quickly, but 
what it was is I just worked really, really hard and I got this graduate job offer. And this offer would have paid off all of my student debt and would have helped me move to London from Newcastle in the north of England where I was. And it was kind of the dream job that everyone doing business management wanted at the time. It was a consultancy job. So in my second year, I was like, great, that's like the biggest weight taken off my shoulders. As long as I get the grades, I've got a job. And so because I felt like I had that safety net, I was just exploring a lot more with different businesses and stuff and ideas in in university. And then the end of my four years came up and I had to make this decision. Okay, I'm going to go to this corporate job. But there was this, I had this weird feeling in my gut, like this isn't for me that I've never wanted to have an actual job. And yes, I've been working in any kind of job. I was, you know, sales assistant, anything you can imagine making money through university, but it wasn't something that I really wanted to do once I left. But obviously it would have paid off my student debt. Everyone around me telling me it's a sensible thing to do. I just didn't know what to do. And I remember sitting in a cafe with one of my best friends at the time. And I was like, Nick, I really don't know what to do. Like, this is such a good opportunity. And I'd be crazy if I turn it down because I've got all of this debt. I have absolutely no money. I have to move home with my grandparents who I love by the way. And and they're amazing. But you know, when you're leaving university, you kind of (laughs) want to be going out into the world and doing your own thing. And I said to her, what do I do? And she was like, what's the absolute worst that can happen? If you go all in right now and you try this business thing out, what's the worst that could happen? And I realized the worst thing that could happen is I would end up back, you know, living with my grandparents who I love and I would have student debt and I would not have any money and I'd be starting in the same position. And I realized if that's the absolute worst thing that could happen, I can handle it. It's really not that bad. And so I called them up and I said, Hey, can you give me a year? I will come and work this corporate job, but I want a year just to travel to do my own thing. And they said, yes. So in that year I started my own business and I was actually making superfood supplements in my kitchen with my grandma's help and selling them online. And I had this idea that I'd start the supplement company within a couple of months to be up and running. I'd be off to the races. I would never have to go to the graduate job. But as I'm sure a lot of people listening know, business is not that linear. So I had this idea and it actually took me 12 months just to get a sample of the superfood powder because you have to do all this testing and make sure it's like legal to sell food products. I knew none of this. And looking back, I probably would have went into something a little bit easier. (laughs) But so here I am, these 12 months of going back and forth with factories and manufacturers on, I mean, shoestring budget. I spent less than a thousand dollars because that was all I had in my overdraft. And so at the time I just started teaching myself Instagram. I was like, what's the one thing I can do every single day that will eventually help me when I go to launch the business. So I was able to grow an Instagram account so that as it was approaching those 12 months and I was getting my samples and ready to launch, I'd have a bunch of people to advertise to. And I think at the time I maybe had around 10,000 followers, which I was so proud of because I had no business, no idea. It was 10,000 people that were there listening to what I was posting. And so what happened was though, those samples were coming back at the same time. My corporate job was calling me saying, Hey, your start date is in two weeks time. And I had nothing to show for it. I was living on cup of noodles. So there were some months I could barely afford to pay rent. It was, I was really not doing so well. I was doing freelance social media on the side for my friends and clients, but I was getting paid $30 a week because at the time no one could see the value in growing an Instagram account. So they're paying me $30 a week, which is just enough to cover food. And so it come to that point and 
I remember having sleepless nights for two weeks, just not knowing what to do. And it was just a few days before I was meant to start the job. I called them up and I said, I'm sorry, this just isn't for me. I'm going to go all in on a business idea. And they were amazing about it. They were like, you know, good luck and let us know if, if that changes. So I went all in and just made it my mission to make this business successful. And I won't go into too much about that business because the way that, that this led me to Boss Babe is I got really good at growing Instagram accounts, which hello, Boss Babe, it's a great Instagram <laughs> account. And second to that is I realized how incredibly lonely it was. I had no one around me that was interested in entrepreneurship, that was doing what I was doing. And I was Googling everything. I was literally Googling, how do you make a food product? Where do you find manufacturer? How do I get followers on Instagram? And I just thought there has to be a better way than this. And so I kind of combined all of those different things into what I knew, which now is the boss babe you see today. And I ended up co-founding it with my business partner, Danielle. I met her in an event, but up until that point, of really going all in with Boss Babe. I'd create this Instagram account. You know, it was going really well. The business was running. And then I just came to that crossroads of deciding, actually, I'm not super passionate about food. I'm really passionate about entrepreneurship. I always have been. How do I bring a community of women together? How do I fix the Googling everything problem? How do I make sure there's resources in there that can save them time? That's kind of where it was born out of. And and it's just really grown from there. It's grown from this community of women who also are like, wow, this person is just like me. She's struggling along in business and just trying her best and also sharing really sassy quotes along the way. And (laughs) it kind of just grew from there. I love hearing the behind the scenes stories because I think so often people just look and they can scroll at the top nine posts or whatever and forget about all of the work and all of the captions and photos and ideas and hashtags and anything that got that growth, which is so stinking cool. I had no idea that you were trying to get a supplement company off the ground. I'm so glad you pivoted into the space you're in right now. (laughs) Yeah. No one tells you about product-based businesses. I love them and we have a product now, but at the time I knew nothing about margins. And so I remember saying to myself, okay, if I could make $4,000 a month. This is going to change my life. I can pay my rent. I can buy food. I can go to the movies and I'll be doing something every single day that I love. Like that was the goal. $4,000. I had it written everywhere, but what no one told me was margins. So (laughs) I started making this food product, me and my grandma going full speed ahead and the money was coming in, but it was going straight back out again. And we actually had really big demand. We were shipping to over 60 countries and we were in over 200 stores across the UK purely from Instagram. And it looks all shiny on the outside, but I was really struggling to even be able to pay for raw materials because you've got to pay for them before the money comes in. And there's a lot of things to think about in business that you might not know starting out. And so that $4,000, once I hit that mark, I was still not taking money home. (laughs) And so there's lots of shininess, like you say, on the outside and you see someone's highlight reel, but on the inside, there's so much to consider. And so getting really smart about that in the beginning is helpful. Well, one thing I love that you said was being resourceful because you didn't have many resources. And I know, I mean, I had zero resources when I started my business. I was on a free WordPress blog. I was saving every penny to buy my next lens for my camera. So talk to me about the difference between having resources ready for you and simply being resourceful. Because I think when you're in that startup phase, that can be the make or break scenario and situation that allows you to either go for it or hold yourself back. 
back. Totally. And I think there's a, a massive difference between like the essentials and the nice to haves. Yes. And so in the beginning, I had such a small budget. There was lots of things that would have been nice to have. One of them might have been a really fancy label for the actual product but that would have cost me so much money. So I opened up Photoshop and I figured out like how I could actually create my own logo. I had no idea what I was doing. And I used that to then create a label and I had my experience of building websites. So I figured out how to build an e-commerce website. I was doing all of these things, but I wasn't kind of making it really polished. Those were nice to haves. And I thought, okay, once I reach certain milestones, then I'll invest in this. So, you know, I took my headshot. It was just a iPhone self timer because photography is one thing I was terrible at. Like, okay, once I hit certain revenue, I'll invest in a photo shoot. And once I do this, I'll invest in a nicer website, a logo, packaging, things like that. So I think that's the first thing about being resourceful is when you don't have a ton of resources, you're kind of just forced to do it. And one thing you'll know if you're a solo entrepreneur or you're wanting to start a business, you'll be doing every single thing yourself, which (laughs) might be annoying because you're like, this isn't in my zone of genius. And everyone keeps telling me to stick to my zone of genius, but I can't afford to pay anyone else. What's really great about that is when you do start to build a business and you bring on maybe your first team member or a couple of team members, you've done every little thing inside the business. And so you can train people on doing that. So really don't underestimate the power of that as well. Because I learned every little thing I taught myself how to use, you know, MailChimp and then active campaign and what an automation was in a funnel. And I just Googled and YouTubed and, and watched videos on how to do all of it. And I just had grace with myself that not everything was going to be perfect. And I actually didn't have a logo for Boss Babe until a couple of years ago. I just created something on paint because I was like, let's just get this out and see what happens. Then I went back and reinvested in this stuff. And it even goes for if anyone's listening and they're maybe not in the beginning stages of the business, but they've been running their business for a while. Maybe they're creating a new course. One thing that I say is don't create the entire course if no one's bought it. Don't spend tons of money on a fancy landing page and everything if no one's bought it. Like, What's the minimum viable product you can put out there? You probably just need a good, like a nice landing page designed yourself saying what the course is, what kind of transformation it's going to create, and then do the first two modules of the course. And if people actually buy it, that signals you've got a product, then you can go build it. But a big mistake is people can spend months and months and months on the development side like before they put it out to the world and then no one buys it and they've just wasted all of that time. I was just reading in a thread in a Facebook group where someone was like, I built it and they didn't come. And it was like, okay, well, first off, you got to get in the trenches to sell something if you actually care about it. But I agree. I think a lot of times we need that proof of concept to give us that confidence that what we're doing is worth it and it's going to work. And I think especially as women, we second guess ourselves so much. So if we're kind of creating with the thought of like, is anyone actually going to want this? That's going to totally change the way that we create and the way that we show up. Yeah, completely. It's such a great thing to just make a list in the beginning of like, what's an essential part of what I'm doing? What's a minimal viable product? And then a list of nice to haves and just set little milestones. Okay. When I hit this in revenue, I'm going to do this nice to have. And when I do, I mean, you and I with podcasting, I started in my closet too. And you just do what you got to do. In the world of two-day shipping, your customers kind of expect to get their purchases to them ASAP. But we're not all massive Fortune 500 companies with fulfillment teams moving thousands of boxes a day. If you're selling a physical product and need to ship it, simplify the whole process and save yourself some money with ShipStation. 
ShipStation is the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. Just a few clicks and you'll be managing your orders, printing out labels, and getting your product out fast to keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, whether it's Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all of your orders into one simple interface. They work with all major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and Amazon Fulfillment. They even offer big discounts on shipping costs. Now any business can access the same postage discounts that big companies are getting. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. And right now, Gold Digger listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use the offer code Gold Digger. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Gold Digger. That's ShipStation.com, then enter the offer code Gold Digger. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. This past launch, my team and I were content creation machines. Blogs, podcasts, graphics, emails, like we churned out tons of stuff in-house, but there was one thing we couldn't do ourselves that was actually key to the success of our launch. We used a freelancer on Fiverr to create eye-catching animated videos that served as Facebook and Instagram ads. Fiverr connects businesses with freelancers who offer hundreds of digital services, including graphic design, copywriting, web performing, film editing, and more, so you don't need in-house skills to complete a key project. Find what you're looking for instantly. Just search by service, deadline, price, reviews, and more. You'll know exactly what you're paying for upfront. No negotiation needed with 24-7 customer service and quality talent that you can count on. Take five and check out fiverr.com. You'll receive 10% off your first order if you use my code GOLDDIGGER. It's so easy. Don't waste any more time and get the service you deserve by going to fiverr.com code GOLDDIGGER. Fiverr, it starts here. Oh my gosh, I know I love it. Somebody the other day commented and they're like, Jenna, you have definitely earned the right to get out of your closet. Like, don't just stay in there because you think that we need something relatable. And I was like, well, actually, I recorded my closet so that I can snuggle my daughter in between (laughs) episodes. I'm like, I'm actually quite happy in there. But thank you. It was really cute. She's like, you have permission. I'm like, oh my God, I love that. (laughs) Okay, so one of my favorite things that you do and teach are the five pillars of success. It's this framework that you've set up. And I really think it can help our listeners. So can you walk me through what the five pillars of success are and kind of just explain each step of the way? Yeah, totally. So the reason we came up with the five pillars of success was when we were looking at the data, when we were looking at what it would really take to help female entrepreneurs get their businesses off the ground and succeed we were finding that only one in four business would succeed. And that's the four businesses that actually got off the ground. Only one of them would actually succeed. And how many of you listening can relate to having so many ideas and never (laughs) actually taking action? So we're not even counting all of those ideas that are just sitting on a shelf. We're talking about the ones that actually put in the effort, put in the action and launch something out to the world. Only one in four is succeeding. And we just didn't think this had to be the case. Like we were talking about, the beginning, right? We were sitting around a table of incredible entrepreneurs and we were all sharing what we'd learned. That is going to make sure that we are having success in what we're doing. We're getting those quick answers and it's helping us avoid mistakes or pitfalls or saving us lots of sleepless nights. And we wanted to figure out how we can do the same thing. So we came up with the five pillars of success and I'll walk through them. And if anyone's listening, if 
you're not driving, you might want to write them down. So the first stage is purpose. This is the idea and alignment stage. So this is where a lot of people get to and they never move on from this stage. So it's getting really clear on what you want to do and why you want to do it. And so in this stage, I would love for you to really think about setting your goals and you can set, you know, the goals for the next three months, six months, 12 months. You don't need to have a big 10 year vision because you might, I don't even know where I want to be in 10 years. It's not super essential to be doing that, but really think about what does the next three, six and 12 months look like for me and what do I want to achieve? And when you're in this stage, the one thing that I say to people who want to get an idea off the ground is every day, just think about putting one step in front of the other because I think so often we can get really caught up on not having a roadmap, not having all the answers. And the truth is in the beginning phase of your business, things might change. You might have a great business name, for example, right? You build your entire website and then you're looking at it and you're like, that's a really bad name. I'm going to change it. <laughs> and, and it's kind of nice to have that flexibility to just try things out and kind of be in a sandbox, right? And just play. So in the beginning, it's getting really clear on what you're doing and where you're going over the next three, six, 12 months and set really specific goals and set milestones. And if you're like me, having them up on the wall really, really helps. So I always have up on the wall, okay, in three months, here's where I'm going to be, six months where I'm going to be, 12 months where I'm going to be. And it really keeps you accountable. So that every single day when you're waking up, you're looking at those goals and you're doing something that helps you put one foot in front of the other. Maybe that's sending out an email to connect with someone. Maybe that's writing copy for your website. Maybe it's just starting your Instagram account and posting your first picture, whatever it is, every single day, just put one step in front of the other. So at the end of the day, you can turn around and say, I did something that's actually moving the needle towards where I want to go. It doesn't have to be big, but just one thing a day is really, really helpful. So that's the first stage is purpose. Second stage is audience. So like you said, I built it, but they didn't come. So having an audience is really, really important. So in this pillar, we are thinking all about nurturing a network and connecting with community. So there's no right or wrong way to build an audience. For me, I love email list and I love Instagram. For other people, they love Facebook groups. I know, Jenna, you did an amazing podcast on Facebook groups. People love Facebook pages, whatever it is, just think about where are your ideal clients hanging out. So get really, really clear on who this ideal client is that you want to sell to. In the beginning, I do think it's really helpful to have a niche. So actually thinking about, I'm going to sell to this very specific kind of person and there's no harm in expanding that as you, as you're growing. But in the beginning, thinking about that specific person, I think email list is the best real estate that we can be building online. I know I hop on about Instagram all the time and I do love Instagram, but if you've got an email list of people, that's something that you own. It's not determined by an algorithm and they're really interested in in finding out what you're offering. So I love an email list. I also love a Facebook group. This is for people that are starting out, by the way, with zero followers. If you're like, I don't, my mom doesn't even follow me on Facebook. I have zero (laughs) followers. A Facebook group can be amazing. And so in order to start building an audience, I would think about, so you've got one product. So if you go back to the purpose stage, you've got your idea and you're going to launch with this one product in the audience stage. Think about how can I distill that product into some kind of freebie or like a PDF, an online training, something that's completely free that is going to start to introduce people to who I am and what I do. You're not just going to go straight off the bat on Facebook day one. I've started this business, come buy from me because people want to know a little bit more about 
about you, about your business. They want to get that know, like, and trust factor. So we're always thinking about how we can build know, like, and trust factor. So think about how you can distill this product down into a little freebie. So maybe it's a course on growing Instagram, for example. Maybe the freebie that you're going to start is five things you need to include on your Instagram bio. It's just a one pager. You create it on Canva or something. Just grab a template if you're not sure how to do it. And then you put that out to your current Facebook audience. Even if it's just your friends from high school, you put that out, you ask people to share it for you and they click on it. They can then come and join your email list or they can join your Facebook group. Whatever it is, just think about really nurturing an audience that you can sell to. Then the third pillar is revenue. So we've covered purposes, get that idea. Second is audience. How are you going to build an audience? How are you going to get people to find out about what you're doing? And I would really recommend in the audience phase, like I said, is building your own audience versus I think going on podcasts and everything is amazing. But in the beginning, focus on just building a platform for you where you can direct people to. Then you move on to revenue in the third pillar. So on here, it's making money and it's managing money. Like I said, in the beginning, when I had this supplements company, I set my goal at $4,000 a month, but the money was coming in and then it was going back out again. And so I wasn't really managing my money effectively and actually got to a point where I'd been running the business for about six months and I hadn't been doing my accounts properly. And so I had to go back and backdate everything. And that was (laughs) such a headache. And I remember saying to myself, oh my God, I'm never doing this again. I'm going to make sure people know to not miss this rookie error. So when you're clear on what your idea is, you're clear on how you're going to start building audience, I really recommend starting to set up a spreadsheet or even QuickBooks. QuickBooks is amazing. It allows you to track what's coming in, what's going out. You can do invoicing, everything in there. Sounds really simple, but managing your money can become quite a scary thing when there's lots of things going in and out. So that's that first part is the managing money. The second part is making money. So how are you actually going to sell to clients? So depending on what your business is, whether it's product, service, education, you want to really be thinking about what your revenue strategy is. And especially if you are in the place where you're more resourceful than having resources. If you have tons of money, then making money in the beginning is not as important as, you know, getting the shiny objects like your website and everything put. But if you're in the resource phase, making money is going to be your number one priority because the more money you make, the more that you can grow your business. So You've got the idea in your audience pillar, you've decided, okay, I'm going to grow an email list and I'm going to grow my Instagram account. So I'm going to create a free PDF and I'm going to advertise that. It's going to grow my mailing list. I want to get 10 people a week on there. Great. What you then want to think about is what does it look like from getting an email subscriber to getting a buyer? So I always encourage people to think about this customer journey and I do it for everything, whether it's thinking about, okay, someone clicks join group on Facebook. How do I then get them to click buy in their cart on on my website. What does that customer journey look like? So really think about mapping out your customer journey. So for example, if it's email list, okay, someone signs up for this freebie that you've been putting out there. You've been getting everyone from school to be sharing it. You've been posting it in Facebook groups. You've been posting it on Instagram. You've been commenting on people's posts saying, Hey, I've got a freebie for this. You're getting it out there. So someone signs up on your email list. Maybe you're doing that on ClickFunnels or something like that. I love this kind of software. 
So they put their name, email in, they say, yep, send me the freebie. So this freebie lands in their inbox. What's next? How do you get them from wanting a free thing to wanting to buy from you? And think about your customer journey with the no like, and trust factor too. So you would probably want to have an email sequence. So something that they get the email with the freebie and then maybe a day later, they get an email saying, hey, I'm Natalie. This is what I do. This is where you can find me. This is the kind of thing I'm going to be sharing with you on my email list. I know you talk a lot about nurture sequences and different email sequences too, Jenna. So for everyone listening, that's where you would really put in that sequence and you'd think about what it looks like to upsell them. Then say it was social media. Okay, how are you going to be showing up on social in a way that is going to help you grow an audience and sell to them? I think there are three types of content. Content that helps you build your brand, content that helps you to sell a product and content that helps you to grow. So there's lots of different types of content you can be posting. You know, you can be posting about what you had for dinner. You could be posting about your baby. You could be posting about your product. But really, your content strategy should be strategic. I think in the beginning, each piece of content that you're putting out there should have a purpose. Because if you have zero followers, they don't really care about seeing every element of your life. They're really wanting to get to know you and what you do. So sharing really highly valuable content, starting to get them to know, like, and trust you, and then selling on social. So just having a real think about what your journey looks like. And are you actually posting content on your social that has a purpose? What's the purpose of you posting the picture? of your dinner. Like think about it. Is it getting them to know you? If so, great. And if they care about that, great. But really think about the kind of content you're putting out there. So we've got purpose. You get really, really clear on where you're going. We've got audience. You know how to start building an audience around what you do. Revenue, you're finding different ways to make money. So you've got your email sequence set up. You're doing a freebie. You are posting the right kind of content on Facebook. There's so many different ways you can bring in revenue. Maybe in the beginning, it's just cold messaging people. Maybe it's getting introductions to people. Maybe it's going on LinkedIn and sourcing people out and sending them a message. There's so many different ways you can do it. There's also webinars, email challenges. There's a affiliate stuff. There's lots of different things in revenue, which I won't go into, but it's really thinking about how you start getting your first clients in the door so that you're not constantly worried about where your next client comes from. So purpose, audience, revenue. The fourth part is systems. So in this pillar, you really want to make sure that your business is working for you rather than you working for it. Because what can happen, like I said, is you start bringing this money in and maybe you forgot to set up QuickBooks or whatever, and your systems are really not where they need to be. And you're getting super stressed out about all these different things. So in the beginning, I think it's really good to preempt everything you might need. So in the systems pillar, one thing that I love using is Asana. So even if it's just you and you have no people working for your business, task yourself in Asana and start to really set up boards in Asana because you really want to be building for where you want to go versus where you are now. So if you want to build this into a business where you do have team members eventually, then really think about what kind of systems you'd put in place for that. So I would be setting up a sauna. I love Google Drive. You can upload everything to Google Drive. It's hosted online, so you don't have to worry about having your laptop. Again, building for where you want to go because if a VA joins your team, you don't want to have to then spend time uploading everything off your computer into a Google Drive so that she can access it. You want it to be there for her. We love Slack for internal communication. I think that's really powerful. And we also love Zapier. So just thinking about what kind of systems you could be implementing to make your processes a little bit easier. Maybe you could be automating an onboarding sequence for a client. So they click buy, how do you automate that? Or maybe it's, you're going to start creating training videos about what you're doing every single day, because eventually you want to hire a VA. And so you might as well 
turn on screen recording now and start recording your screen of what you're doing every single day so that when you come to hire your VA, which no doubt you hire a little bit too late when you're way too stressed and don't have time to delegate to them, you can give them these videos and you can just upload them into Google Drive under training videos and start to build that up. So we've got purpose, audience, revenue systems. And then the fifth one is growth. So one thing that we see a lot is you have your idea dialed in, you're growing an audience, you're making money, your systems are dialed in, what's next? What you'll probably find is you hit an upper limit with your mindset. So for example, when we were in Puerto Rico, we're sitting around a table with people that have just achieved such massive success. And my mindset just got another uplift, right? It got another up level. I got to see what else was possible. But when you're first starting out, perhaps you're surrounded by people that are just at the same stage as you and you're not seeing what's possible outside of that. So you have this upper limit. Well, it's not possible for me to go from 4,000 a month to 10,000 a month. It's certainly not possible for me to ever get to a six-figure month. And so those upper limits are going to come into play. And so it's really important that you're constantly doing your own work. So you're doing your own personal development. You're doing your own mindset work. You're doing money mindset. You're spending time reading, all of those different things. And I want to say this five step framework is not a one and done thing too, because you might hop out of different things. You might be in the growth phase and you have an idea for a new product. You go right back to purpose, or you might be going full steam ahead, bringing in tons of clients. And you realize I've actually really neglected my Instagram. I need to go back to audience and start to put processes and systems in place that my Instagram is going to grow without me. And so these five things I think should just always be top of mind. And for anyone listening who's like, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. If you just spoke for about two hours about this framework, what do I do? If I were you, I would just write down the five things, purpose, audience, revenue, systems, growth, and write where you are now with each of these things. And maybe write one thing under each pillar that you know you could do a little bit better and focus on. And eventually it'll build up. I feel like you just summed up 346 episodes of the Gold Digger podcast with those five things. Like, (laughs) actually, that was a mic drop moment where I'm like, yes, these are all the things we've been talking about. And you did it in such a beautiful way. Like, that's incredible. Thank you. Yeah. It's really just about how you get from A to B, how you put one foot in front of the other and get from having an idea to a thriving business. And if anyone's listening and they're overwhelmed, you've just said there's so many podcasts, like don't feel like you need to know all of this right now. Go back, listen to the the podcasts. The one on Facebook groups I just listened to a few days ago and it was amazing. That's perfect. Maybe your action step for audiences, I'm going to listen to that and get to know Facebook groups. So I'm glad that was helpful. Oh, it's so good. Okay. So let's say someone's listening and they're still stuck in that idea phase or the startup phase or even the side hustle phase of business. What is the first thing that you would tell them to do to start working towards going full-time? Because you have such an incredible story about going from zero to full-time pretty quickly. So what would you tell people to do? first? So one thing that I recommend, which will work for some people and might not work for others is think about the job that you're in right now. So let's say, for example, you are getting paid $40 an hour. Just for example, you're getting paid $40 an hour. Okay. Well, firstly, let's shift the mindset. You are getting paid $40 an hour to do your job and think of a business idea. So always (laughs) that and like amazing. I'm getting paid to think about my business idea. I love it. So you're getting paid $40 an hour but you're having to actually be present and show up at your job and do a good job. If you could, maybe you're putting together your action step. It's called Natalie's getting from full-time job to full-time entrepreneur. There's 10 action steps. I need to create a website. I need to build this 10 action steps. 
look at those action steps and think about, okay, could I hire someone on Fiverr or Upwork to do those things for $3 an hour? If I'm getting paid $40 an hour and they could be getting paid $3 an hour, I could then be at work getting paid to have my idea and someone else is actually going and building behind the scenes for me. So I think that's actually a really powerful tool that we have because when you're kind of first in your entrepreneurship journey, all the money you're bringing in, you really need it. You've got rent to pay, you've got food to pay for. Whereas if you're actually in a full-time job, it's such a big advantage because you've got that money to kind of play with. And so I would be thinking about how much of this could I really reinvest back into getting my business off the ground. So I think that's the first thing. We went into kind of having those 10 steps. I think everything can be distilled down into 10 steps. I think it's actually Brendan Burchard that came up with that, who said everything can be summed up in 10 steps. So really summing that up and then think about milestones. So when I hit X, I will reduce my hours like by 20. When I hit X, I'm going to go full time. Because what you'll often find is if you're really aligned on, on each action and you're putting one foot in front of the other and you're putting in, you know, a couple of hours every evening and weekend to get this business off the ground, you might start bringing in money and then this scarcity mindset's going to jump in and you're like, but if I quit my job, this money's going to stop. And what if this happens? And what if this happens? And listen, it's always a risk. Entrepreneurship is risky sometimes, but it's about how we make really safe, calculated risks. And so, okay, if I can just replace my full-time income for two months in a row, I'm going to quit my job. And you have to make that decision, then actually decide to take the leap. So that's what I would be doing. So get someone on Fiverr Upwork to really get the groundwork laid for you. Spend your evenings and weekends doing things. And then I would just be going all in on the revenue side. Like how do I bring in paying clients? I don't need a fancy system. I don't need a Google drive. I don't need a sauna. I just need some paying clients. That would be my tunnel vision. I'd be waking up every single day saying, how do I get closer to signing a client today? Mm. And for anyone listening, like I literally just hired someone from Fiverr. <laughs> like, so there is no level of the game where you just aren't needing help. There's so many things that you can find. I found an amazing video editor and I was like, Me this too. is amazing. I know my someone was like, I can't believe you still use Fiverr. I'm like, of course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's specialized skills on there. It's really cost effective. We have a team too and we still use Fiverr. They just, they outsource to people that really know what they're doing and can do things quickly. Oh, amen. Okay. I'm going to, for this final question, I'm going to take you back to your roots and throw you a curveball. Now, some people call me an Instagram expert, but I am really known as a lifelong learner. What is one thing that is really moving the needle for you guys on Instagram that you can share with our audience today? Oh, one thing right now that's moving the needle. Okay. So feel like I could give a million and one things, but <laughs> one thing that I really love is building MSI. So meaningful social interaction. And one way to do that is through having DM conversations. You'll probably realize that when you are DMing more actively and people are responding to your stories, you're getting more story views. And the more people that view your story, they're going to continue to see you in their feed. Um, they're going to continue to um, know, like, trust and probably buy from you. So I'm all about the story views. And so because of that DM conversations, and so you might put something out on stories and ask a question and not get many replies because people might be shy. They might not have DM'd you before. It might be completely new to them. So one thing that you can do is do a poll. So do a poll and they click the left option or the right option. And the people that respond go through and actually click their name and start a conversation with them yourself. So we do this too. We put polls up. We say on the left, are you a female entrepreneur? On the right, are you an ambitious woman? 
people click which one and we'll go through and DM them and be like, hey, we saw you answer the poll. Would love to learn more about you and just have real life conversations because I think that is the foundation of social media is meaningful social interaction and having like, I I see people at an event and I'm like, oh, I recognize you. We were just chatting on Instagram. And I think that is so important. And I think sometimes we can get really caught up in the follower numbers. Oh, they have thousands of followers. Oh, they have millions of followers. I want to get there. I want that. It's just not about that. It's about the real meaningful community that you're building. And that comes from just having conversations. It comes from caring. Danielle and I say that we get where we are because we out care everyone. We just care so much. And I know you feel the same way. We care about what you're doing. We want you to DM us and tell us what happened in your day. We want you to DM us when you're having a problem so we can support you and point you in a different direction. And if you take anything away from that, just have those conversations. And polls are a great way to do it if you want to bridge that gap between someone not DMing you and not having that conversation. That is a beautiful tip. Where can everybody connect with you, find you, become a boss babe, be a part of your community? Tell us all of the places. So they can find me on Instagram at IamNatalie or at bossbabe.inc. And then we have all of our info on bossbabe.com. So many resources, blog posts, we have a membership, all the things. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I am obviously a huge fan of both in real life and on the internet. And I'm so grateful for everything you shared today. This was so incredibly helpful. Thank you. This has been amazing. Um, That was amazing. <laughs> I feel like Natalie has this gift of just simplifying things. Five steps. We can all handle five steps, right? And the way that she broke those down, I'm like, that has summed up what our goal of this podcast is in such a beautiful way and what the goal of an entrepreneur is. I mean, this girl is brilliant. I loved getting to meet her and Danielle in real life and getting to just hug it out with fellow women who are on this journey alongside of us. There's room for all of us. And I think it's so beautiful to be able to collaborate and empower and team up and encourage and just be in each other's corners. Like, how awesome. We need more of that in this world. I'm so grateful to Boss Babe and the resources they put out and the inspiration they share. And if anything, I really love their sassy quotes on their Instagram feed. Some days I'm like scrolling through and I'm like, yes, I needed this. I'm sure you're going to feel the exact same way. Until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. And thank you so much for allowing me to have this community where we empower and bring up more women leaders like Natalie and like Danielle. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com.